Welcome back to Insemination. My name is Laura High, your chaotic sperm donor baby of the podcast world, and it's time for me to inseminate myself into your earbuds. I really regret saying that. I am very sorry. Scratch that. Okay, I am very excited for this episode. We have an egg donor with us. We have Nurse Jess, a fantastic registered nurse who was also a former egg donor, who is going to talk to us about her pretty scary experience being an egg donor. If anybody's listening and they're not comfortable with medical procedures, please proceed with this episode with caution. And let's do a little bit of housekeeping. And October 15th is right around the corner for the very first ever donor conceived protest where donor conceived people, recipient parents, donors, allies will be coming together to protest for donor conceived rights in New Orleans from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. right outside the New Orleans Convention Center where ASRM will be holding their annual convention. We will be there to remind them that donor conceived people should be their first priority. Not the clinics, not the banks. If you would like more information on this protest, please go to my website, www.laurahigh5.com. There is a tab labeled protest. Go there. It has all the information on it. Please do the email sign up so that you can be kept up to date. Also, October 15th in New Orleans at the Howling Wolf at 8 p.m., I will be headlining. Please grab your tickets because after that protest, we are going to be needing some laughs. But now, let's get to the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Nurse Jess. Thank you so much for coming on today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, In case anyone uh, doesn't know uh, Nurse Jess, Nurse Jess is a fantastic content creator on TikTok who I got, um, whose videos I got to see. You do such amazing, amazing advocacy. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that you as a member of the medical community is you know, actively make combating misinformation. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's a full-time job. That's for sure. Oh, combating misinformation. I mean, that could be (laughs) five full-time jobs all for one person. Yes. But thank you. I I do appreciate it because you, you, it's, it's a tough job and I'm just so grateful that you're doing it. And I'm so grateful also just very, um, uh, I would say, it, I feel like it sort of lines up almost amazingly because you are a former uh, egg, you are, well, calling you a former egg donor, I don't know if this is the right word, because you donated eggs as a known donor for a friend. So saying you're an yes. egg don't, but you have donated eggs. And the fact yes. that you are also a registered nurse, I feel like just adds so much I mean, your story was already valid, but like now it like adds like a super cape onto it or something. And <laughs> I would love to start at the top of your egg donation journey. Uh, how how old were you when when you were asked what what went into making this decision? Yeah, so it's kind of a wild story. So I was 21 years old. So I consider that being a baby now yeah. that I'm in my 30s. Um, oh, and 100%. My- I mean, to all of our 21 yeah. year olds out there, <laughs> it's, I know, I know you, it, 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 I'm so sorry, but like, it really is. It, it just, I look back at my 21 year old self and I'm like, you were allowed to drink what? Yes. So, um, my friend came up to me and, you know, I was very young and just said, Hey, do you want to give me your eggs? And I was like, I mean, I'm not using them, you know, I don't plan to use them anytime soon. So sure you can have them. And it was very nonchalant. Didn't think about it. And she was like, wait, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, literally you can have them. And it came with a follow-up later, obviously with like a five page letter of her life and you know, where her life was going and what it came down to was just her life wasn't complete without these children and she wasn't able to have children and whatnot. And she was married and very established in her life um, and older than me. And so it just really hit me. And this person was very important to me. And so we actually decided to go through with the egg donation. And I truly felt like, I don't care. And at the time I wasn't a nurse, you know, I wasn't in nursing school. I was in my undergraduate program, like working towards a degree, didn't know what I wanted to be. I was 21 years old. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And so um, I ended up going through with it. And so that's kind of how it happened. It was very nonchalant. I knew the person and um, that's how the journey started. So then what was the next process? Did she already have like a clinic lined up? Did she have a doctor? How did that? 
Like, yeah. Did you have to get like a, a separate lawyer or was everything taken care of through the clinic? So everything was already taken care of. So the, her and her husband had already done multiple rounds of IVF. Okay. Um, and they had already done multiple cycles of that and whatnot that had failed. So they had already attempted to do this on their own. Got it. And they had already discovered that they needed a donor. Like that had already been established that they, okay. she could, she could, um, you know, carry the baby, but it was something with her eggs that couldn't hold, you know, the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so um, she needed an egg donor. And so she had already had a clinic, she had a doctor, she had everything lined up. So I really didn't have to do much besides donor, you know? Um, yeah, that, that's, so not a, that's not a small job. That's, that's kind of a no. Big- 21 years old though, that's what it sounded like. I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't have to do much. I just have to go there and give my eggs, right? So in my 21 year old mind, and like a lot of these younger women, that's all, that's how they kind of paint it, right? Just be an egg donor. It's simple. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, all right, I'll show up to the clinic. And I think in my friend's mind, that's kind of how it was painted to her too. They make it like, I mean, if you look at any of the recruitment ads for um, egg donation, it looks like, oh my God, you're just going to go in, give, it sounds like it's a haircut almost with the way that literally, it's just so simple and it's complicated. I mean, this is a, I I mean, it's obviously like you're being a donor, like there, there are massive, like what that means is huge, but also just the act of egg retrieval is a huge commitment. Yes. And it's, it's a lot of, um, medications. It's a lot of appointments. It's a lot of, uh, changes that happen in your body. And none of this, you know, we can, we're going to get into this, but none of this was explained to me. Are you none of it? So what was that first meeting with the doctor like then? So first meeting with the doctor is just so like, you know, unicorns and butterflies and everything's so beautiful, you know, and it's just like, you're just going to have some medications that'll help get the hormone levels up. We want to, you know, harvest these eggs and be able to retrieve the eggs. And it's a very simple process. You just have to, you know, make sure that you don't get pregnant during the process. You have to make sure that you take the medications when you're supposed to, you know, follow everything we tell you. You'll come in for checkups. Like it made it seem very seamless and just, you know, just follow what we tell you. And I'm like, okay, like, again, I'm 21 years old. I know nothing. Um, the doctor tells me and everything's going to be just fine. So we meet with the doctor, everything seems great, you know, and I think it's fine. So the follow-up appointments come through after that, start with medications, you know, they do a general like kind of um, physical and stuff like that. Everything seems fine. They make you do, I think I had to go through some testing, like STD testing, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, that is our one, uh, that's our one regulation from the FDA. So huzzah, you at least did that. I mean, when the doctor even told you that like it's medication, did you even know that you would be injecting yourself or did they make it sound like it was like a pill like Advil? You know, I don't know. I think they did explain that some of it was injections. Okay. Um, And at the time I had a boyfriend at the time. And so I was like, oh, it's fine. Like he can do the injections. Like it'll be totally fine. Right. Um, But again, you know, I just was like, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> like, I'll just do whatever. But where it got weird, it get it gets weird. Okay. So everything is painted like, it's fine. We're just going to take these eggs and we're going to make a baby and, and it's beautiful and everything's great. And I have all these numbers, right? It was very hyper-focused on these numbers. I remember that. And it's hard to remember the specifics because not trying to date myself, but this is over a decade ago. And so- um, You're in good company. It, You're good. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very focused on numbers, right? Like how many babies this clinic has made, right? We, we have high numbers, very good outcomes and blah, 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 blah. I remember that being a thing. And so like, they were talking about their success rates, you know, high success rates on, you know, having babies and stuff. Cause IVF is not cheap. No, at all. Oh my um, God. No, it's, it's so expensive. It's hideously expensive. I, I mean, yeah. that's always, th- that to me is like a, a huge, it, it always kind of like what keeps me up at night is thinking about how much these fertility treatments cost with how unregulated the system is. And it's like, you are paying hand over fist for 
no security, like none, no security. And it's terrifying how much these parents are literally like, I mean, they, some of these parents get a second mortgage, second mortgage. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I, I think my friend at the time paid $14,000 for one retreat, like one cycle, one whole oh cycle God. and it failed. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. So devastating. After we get through this whole process, right? This is where it gets weird. She starts, this doctor starts sending me home with the first round of medications. Mm-hmm. Medications. They're unlabeled. And when I say unlabeled, I mean like when you have a, a medication, it's usually labeled, like an actual yeah. label with like generic, you know, like the yeah, warnings. Like a prescription label, yeah. A, a prescription label. We're talking just like, a label with someone wrote wrote on it what it is and I'm just I'm 21 and I know this is going to sound really silly to a lot of people especially who know me now in my professional life like how could you nurse Jess like are you joking but I was 21 also at some point you guys and I was like okay cool this is whatever I'm just gonna go and inject it into myself <laughs> and I did Ooh. and I did yeah, that does seem like a little bit of a red flag. That does seem a little bit Huge. like, yeah, that didn't have an official prescription label. And I'm talking multiple vials. And so um, I don't know. I can't explain that. I was 21, you know, at some point too. So that's why sometimes I can empathize with these boss babes and these MLM boss moms who sometimes take things because I'm like, I was them too at one point because it's easy to fall victim to doctors who sometimes don't always have the best intentions because you just trust them right well, you just trust them exactly they have the diplomas on the wall i i yeah absolutely and uh the fertility industry i will say i do think like tv and movies have done a phenomenal job at painting the fertility industry a certain way mm-hmm. and i think that like how we how that industry has been portrayed in media has really screwed us all over yeah yeah has there so at this point you've started has there been any talk about side effects no you weren't warned about like anything none nothing like i was oh. just told i was just told these medications are going to make you you know i think i was told it was kind of going to be like how i felt during a period so like the hormones of maybe feeling like cranky or tired or crampy or something like I was like, okay, whatever, you know, and bloating or something like the basic things that girls go through. And I'm like, okay. And that was it, you know, and that wasn't really what I experienced. I experienced, you know, weight gain and other things too. But like, at the time I had no idea what was going on, you know, in my body. Right. I didn't, I didn't understand the hormonal effects of what was going on within my body. Um, I was just doing the injections and just thinking I'm helping my friend I'm helping my friend. I want to give her a baby. You know, I wasn't concerned of the unlabeled vials in the fridge and I wasn't concerned of anything else. So did they ever bring up things like I'm just I have so many questions now. Did they ever bring up like ASRM guidelines? Did they ever um, anything? I mean, again, I know that ASRM is just guidelines. It's not actual regulations. Um, but there was nothing, there was no, they didn't even mention ovarian hyperstimulation. Never. Ovarian hyperstimulation was never mentioned until, um, you know, we can get into that until I actually mentioned it after the fact, after I was really sick, they never mentioned it. The doctor never once mentioned it. Okay. All right. So you are, so we, we are now. So, because usually it's, it's it takes about like what a, a month of so of injections, I think and, so around there. Okay, so you now you're getting to now they're actually going to go in. They're going to do the egg retrieval, um, which sounds so delightful. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I sign me up. Yeah, that, right. that always. Yeah, I, I really feel like egg donors, like when it comes to like versus sperm donors, I'm like that you really get the short end of the stick there um, versus like what sperm donors have to go through. I'm like, it's literally their favorite thing to do. Like what? This is not fair. I um, know. I know. 
And I did have checkups in between time, by the way. So like between this, like, you know, there's yeah. a lot of checkups that happen. So like you get these injections, there's checkups, there's blood, you know, there's a lot of things that were happening in between time. And I want to- But no mention of side to, effects. Any any of those meetings, they never mentioned side effects or anything like that. Okay. Just kept keeping it kosher. Like, this is normal. Everything you're feeling is normal. This is a part of the process. I really felt like this doctor was really trying to gain this like kind of control over me. And, and kind of just, oh, you're fine. You're under my care. Everything's fine. I'm watching over everything, you know? And, and I felt like she knew she could do it because I was so young and dumb. I just yeah. was. I'll admit it. I was. I was injecting unlabeled medications, you guys. Like, I'll own that. How, you know? in your opinion, kind of looking back on it, what age do you think donors should be? You know, age is tough to decide. I think you know, ages, I really truly believe age is number. Maturity wise, I was not mature enough to make that decision. I think some people do mature quicker than others developmentally. So I think that like, that's a tough one. So maybe there needs to be some kind of assessment, right? Like, do you understand what this is? Do you understand? I don't know. Like there needs to be some kind of assessment. 21 for me, 100% way too young. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I had no idea. Known. Oh yeah, no, no, I wouldn't have been, I don't think I would have been able to understand the gravity until I was like at least 25. I feel like I wouldn't have understood until I, like maybe 35 for me. Like, I feel like I, it's, it's really an in-depth thing. Like, and, and then to understand the side effects later on, right. We're learning now the long-term side effects of that. And which had we I still known, don't know in general. I mean, we, we know what you have faced long-term, but like in general, there's been no studies of long-term side effects of, with egg donation. And you have yeah. so many young people just literally lining up and, and, and they're just, they're essentially being guinea pigs for what we're going to find later on in life. Um, yep. So we, we get to the egg retrieval. And yep. we start, so if you wouldn't mind like describing what that process was like and what ended up happening. So, um, you know, a lot of the egg retrieval, I feel like I've repressed because I got <laughs> so sick afterwards. Like, and it's not like a fun process. Like you get in there and they've got all these like huge tools and stuff that you just don't want to see. And so, um, I wasn't awake for most of it. They kind of okay. had like a conscious sedation for me. Um, and so, but they took, I do remember they took 32 eggs in one retrieval. Okay. And I'm hearing mixed signals from some women that I know that are going through IVF right now. Some women that I know they take 30 eggs and I'm like, oh my gosh, they did. Because for me, I've always been told that that's a lot of eggs to take in one retrieval because it can put your body in a, you know, hyperstimulation position and what happened to me, that's what happened. So I've always been told that around 10, 15 is around a normal amount in one cycle. I don't know. I couldn't find, I know that you and I had talked about finding that evidence. I couldn't find sound evidence on that. Um, it's, it, it's, it's all over the place. It, it is all over the place as well. Um, for anybody, again, when it comes to like this kind of like egg retrieval, like egg amounts, uh, please look back and listen to my episode with Dr. Diane Tobar. This is literally what she studies. Um, and you know, we, we talked about how it, it could be different triggers in terms of like different drugs or specific drugs and stuff like that. Um, so please check back. It's literally just a couple of episodes ago in this season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've spoken to egg donors who have given 80 eggs in one cycle. Oh my gosh. It does seem like there is a, a certain amount that depends on the body. Um, I would love to see more research done if there is like a particular safe amount, like if there is a happy, like this is what, um, th this is, this is the safest amount of eggs to take or it, I don't know. It's there again. It, we're sort of talking in like such abstract terms because of the such little research that has been done. Um, yeah. So, it, so it, but yeah, so they took 30 eggs from you. Yes. And then everything was fine in the clinic, right? I go home and by home, I mean, I live like an hour away from the clinic. So okay. I live an hour away from the clinic. Boyfriend at the time takes me home. I'm recovering, whatever from sedation and everything's fine. I notice over the next week that I'm just kind of feeling kind of crappy, like just like 
sluggish, not myself, like whatever. And so I'm like, okay, this is probably just part of it. I just have to recover coming down off the hormones, like all this stuff. None of this was explained to me, by the way. I'm just assuming this is how I feel. None of this just explained about aftercare, post-care, nothing? Literally, like, have no idea. They might have explained, like, just get some rest or whatever it is. But I'm just assuming, oh, this is just probably how you feel after a period and, like, hormones. And I'm just putting it together in my mind that, like, okay, this is probably just how it is. Like, I'll just recover. I'll I'll just chill, you know? Oh, my God. So week two, I'm noticing that like my stomach is kind of getting a little bloated, like distended a little bit. I'm kind of like, that's weird. Like I'm, I'm just feeling weird, you know? And then I start to notice I have a little bit of a cough and then I'm like, okay, things are fine. It goes on, it goes on. Then the following week, I'm like starting to be painful, like in my back area, kind of where my kidneys are. I'm starting, the cough's not going away. It's becoming a wet cough. And, you know, timeline wise, I, that's where it gets a little blurry, but my pain's kind of getting out of control in my stomach. My stomach's getting more distended. I go back to the clinic and she's like, the doctor's like, this is all normal. Your body just needs time to recover. You know, this is nothing to go to the ER about. She was like so adamant on me not going to the ER, which I thought was very strange. And I was so weak. I was so, I was in so much pain. I was, you know, feeling like I couldn't breathe that well. Like I didn't know what was going on. She never explained anything. She just said it was normal. Everything you're feeling is normal. It's normal. It's going to get better. Your body just needs to recover from the egg retrieval and the hormones. It's coming off the hormones. It's all normal. And this is in a clinic. Sends me back home, which is an hour away. I go back home and it doesn't get better. It just doesn't get better. It's getting worse to the point I can't stand up. My stomach is so distended. I can't see my knees, my feet. Like it's so bad. So my boyfriend at the time, two days later, takes me back to the clinic. And there is a nurse there from a hospital. She just happens to be floated to the clinic that day. Thank God. I swear to you, it was like an angel that was sent there because she saved my life. I'm convinced she was there and I could hear her in the hallway talking to that doctor. And I am at this point, I feel like on my deathbed. I couldn't lay flat at this point because I couldn't breathe laying flat. And I didn't know what was going on. My stomach's distended. I'm in extreme pain at this point. I feel like I'm going to die, literally, to the point where I just accepted it because I had been in so much pain and it happened so fast that I was like, I don't even, I can't live like this. I don't know what is going on. I hear the nurse talking to the doctor in the hallway. It's a small clinic and she's like, this girl needs to be in the ER and she needs to go right now. There's something seriously wrong. And the doctor's like, that is my patient and she is not going to the ER. They're fighting in like in the hallway right next to my room. And the doctor was so adamant on not sending me to the ER. And the nurse was like, well, you need to fix this now because I'm telling you right now, there's something seriously wrong with her and she needs help right now. And I'm just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to seriously die. This is what's going like this. How I'm going to die in this clinic. This is where it ends. So she's convinced the doc, you know, the doctor's like, I will treat her here, whatever. So they're like, we have to do a paracentesis, which at 21, I'm like, I don't know what that is. What is that? What it what 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 it for all of our wonderful listeners? What is a paracentesis? So paracentesis is where they drain like fluid off of your abdomen. So what had happened was I was essentially having symptoms of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, but the doctor refused to acknowledge that. So basically my circulatory system had shut down and I was gathering fluid in places where it shouldn't be. And so I had fluid around in my stomach cavity. And it was just being coming distended. And it was like fluid in places it shouldn't be. So around my lungs, around my kidneys, oh, in God. you know my stomach cavity. So it was becoming distended. It was painful. Yeah. I couldn't lay flat because I was coughing. My kidneys had shut down. So basically she wanted to go and drain fluid off my abdomen um, and all of that stuff. And so in a clinic, by the way, that's, that's not where that's supposed to be done, in my opinion. No, no. Um, no. also, just, just in case, um, what is the definition of ovarian hyper um, stimulation? So um, the way that I have been, it's been described to me is basically, um, you know, where the hormone levels in your body, right? 
um, where I had basically been overstimulated. So too much hormones, um, where I had had all these hormone levels that were really high. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden we take all those eggs out, right? And just kind of drop those levels too quickly. Um, and the body kind of goes into an overstimulation syndrome, I guess. Like, I, I don't really understand. I still don't really understand. I don't know if I'm the proper person to even describe it because it's really difficult for me to still understand how this happens. I think the high levels of having that many eggs in my system, that many hormones, and then dropping it so quickly um, puts that part of your reproductive system into an overstimulation. It throws a circulatory system part off and then fluid collection starts happening, body systems start shutting down, organ systems start shutting down. And that's how it was described to me. And it's fatal in a lot of cases, actually. It's extremely rare. But in the cases that it happens, it's it can be fatal. Um, and I can tell you guys right now, I thought I was going to die. I was convinced. And it was extremely scary. Yeah. So you were, I mean, it, it's, I mean, the fact that you were having such issues breathing, I mean, that that's, scary um so you oh were gosh. there you're so you're in the clinic not in the er which mm -hmm. you're i completely agree as somebody who has no medical training whatsoever it does absolutely sound like no no no. that's an er moment so you are getting fluid drained in the clinic are you feeling better what's being told to you like what what what's happening well no so i'm in a bed in this like waiting area and then there's like a procedure room area so after i hear them arguing the nurse and doctor the nurse Must comes over a great feeling God. so awesome <laughs> i don't know why so... i became a nurse after this by the way i'm like why maybe that's why i became a nurse i don't know well because the, the nurse saved your life because you yeah. had a nurse like you know yeah you know, advocate for you thank god thank god for thank if god. that nurse is hearing this we love you you're amazing i hope yes. you're doing well wherever you are Yes, I've met nothing but wonderful doctors except for that one, but yes. Um, so no, so this nurse comes over and she walks me into the procedure room and I remember laying down and looking at her and I just remember look, cause they were gonna put me out cause they put me out for the procedure. And I really honestly thought that, that I wasn't gonna wake up. And I looked at her and I remember looking into her eyes and this is gonna sound so cliche, but I did. I said, please do not let me die. And she looked at me and she said, I promise you, I will not. And I believed her because I believed that she would roll me to that hospital if she had to. Like she was that type of nurse. She was like, I am not letting this girl die today. And so I don't remember any of it because I was put out and, um, and I woke up, I'm here. Um, that doesn't sound cheesy. That sounds, I, I, I can imagine anybody being in that situation just because it, it, you you are literally trusting these people with your life and mm -hmm. I, I if I was in that situation I would have 100 percent said the same thing to the, <laughs> to the nurse going like please please, please. I, need to, I have so much I have I have I've got I've got food in the fridge no yeah I had ha come on and I think that is such an understandable reaction but you did you did wake up Yes. And you're here with us, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So what, what then happened when you woke up? I got, I got out of there. <laughs> I went home, you know, and I, I was just like, I don't remember anything that happened after that, to be completely honest with you. And I think it's just because it was so traumatic for me. Um, I remember recovering at home. I don't remember any follow-up appointments. They may have happened, but I think I just repressed it because it was just so horrific for me. I couldn't believe what had happened. I don't regret any of it. I really do not because my friend has two wonderful children. You know, I, I don't regret any of it. But looking back on it, I'm like, holy smokes. And when we, we started talking, I'm like, wow, like that situation really was messed up, you know? And so I don't remember what happened. I recovered at home. I got better, but it took weeks, if not a month for me to get back to normal. And I'm talking like, for my body to get back to normal, for yeah. the fluid to get settled, for me to be able to lay flat. I couldn't lay flat for months um, because oh, I would cough, you know, because there was yeah. fluid still hanging out. My body had to recover. Things had to recover. Um, I missed like three weeks of school because I couldn't go to class. And luckily my yeah. professors at the time were very understanding, like well, that I almost died. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I... There, there are a couple of things that I, I sort of I remember from the first time you and I you shared the story with me um, because you 
I remember at one point you you kind of thought about should I like sue for malpractice? So we tried. Yeah. We tried. What happened with that? So this is years later. So my friend and I kind of came together. We're like, you know, we should probably sue that doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like we should, we should probably sue that doctor. And at the time, you guys, like at 21 years old, again, dating myself, we didn't have cell phones like we have now, social media like we have now. Like I think we still had MySpace back then. Like I, it wasn't like it is now. There wasn't tickety tax and all that stuff. How so, long was this ago? 10 years? Oh, uh, I think it was like 15 yeah no it was my set yeah that was that was my space the beginnings of the Facebook when Facebook yeah. was like required a college email to create yeah an account <laughs> so we didn't capture things you know the cell phones weren't like they are now so I, yeah. I think that's kind of the downfall like I didn't you didn't think to take pictures of stuff and whatever I wish it would have ha happened now because we would have had all the evidence in the world of course so the the really down malpractice is actually really hard to prove it's really yeah. really tough and so when we, we did file it with the state, they did investigate and guess what? The state's like that we didn't find any evidence of this happening. Well, well, duh, she's not going to document. She almost killed me. Like, I mean, obviously there's no documentation that she's going to put down. Like, and then I almost killed this 21 year old by giving her unlabeled medications and refusing to send her to the ED. Like, she's not going to put that in a note. I'm telling you what happened to me and I can tell like there's just no good documentation because she clearly didn't document it which is also completely fraudulent like I cannot believe there's no documentation of what happened to me that's what the state came back with she didn't document any of this the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, that seems, again, this, this is sort of like out of my bounds, but like th that does seem illegal from, from a, a, from a, non-trained ear the fact that like none of none of this was in a document going like oh we 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 saved a person's life in our in our clinic today we drained like god knows how much fluid a they gallon of in. milk that's yeah. what it was equipped yeah like that's a lot it was a gallon a gallon of milk equivalent oh. to a gallon of milk and for anyone listening like from medically standing that's a lot that that's is a, a lot. lot that's a lot yeah Oh, no wonder you were in so much pain. The, the carrying around, like having a, an extra gallon of fluid and on you, also against she, your organs. Oh my God. And also you have to be careful when you drain fluid off of people's like cavities like that, not to drain too much too fast. So I'm not even convinced she did that right to hear that she drained that much. And like, oh my gosh, she could have put me in another situation Thank God I was young. I had that on my side because it could have turned out to be worse, you know, because like yeah. you can't drain too much too quickly either. So I'm like, oh my gosh. But of course there's no record record. So there is some legalities in that too. But it's like, well, how do you prove that? Like I don't know how to prove it, especially when we don't have the technology like we do today to document it and you know, all that stuff. So it came back as the state was like, we there's nothing to prove here. And it's just it was very disheart. It, it felt very disheartening and it felt yeah. very, um, I don't know how to explain it. I, I cried. I was like, this happened to me. And it feels like you, it's again, being like a victim where you don't believe the victim. And it's like, I literally almost died. Having a, an extra gallon of fluid and on you? Also, against she, your organs? Oh my God. And also you have to be careful when you drain fluid off of people's like cavities like that, not to drain too much too fast. So I'm not even convinced she did that right to hear that she drained that much. And like, oh my gosh, she could have put me in another situation. Thank God I was young. I had that on my side because it could have turned out to be worse, you know, because like, yeah. you can't drain too much too quickly either. So I'm like, oh my gosh, but of course there's no record record. So there is some legalities in that too, but it's like, well, how do you prove that? Like, I don't know how to prove it, especially when we don't have the technology like we do today to document it and, 
you know, all that stuff. So it came back as the state was like, we, there's nothing to prove here. And it's just, it was very disheart. It, it felt very disheartening and it felt yeah. very, um, I don't know how to explain it. I, I cried. I was like, this happened to me. And it feels like you, it's again, being like a victim where you don't believe the victim. And it's like, I literally almost died. Yeah, no, I, I can fully understand why that would be. I mean, that's not disheartening. I feel like that's almost re-traumatizing to be told like, sorry, kid. Yeah, I hear you almost died, but like tough nuggies, no record of it. We can't do anything like, yeah, that's, re that's traumatizing. Yeah. It's almost like, shouldn't you be going after the doctor for not having a record of basically malpractice and what she did? I, it was just like, what, what? And how many other people did this happen to? That was my other question. Do you know, did this, um, did this clinic have their own bank or did they like, did they have their own bank of like, of, uh, of donors or did they buy donors from other banks? I don't know. Um, but you know, since you and I have started like discussing this yeah. and kind of, um, cause I haven't thought about it. Cause I, I've just always repressed it because yeah. I'm like, it's okay. Cause like, it's fine. Like I lived and these beautiful children are out there and I love them. They're great. You know, cause it's a very open type yeah. of thing. Like I know them and they, you know, all this stuff. Um, but since you and I've talked, I have been like spinning the wheels a little bit and I'm like, I feel like I should be opening that box a little bit more because that clinic's still there. That doctor's still there. Oh, And I'm a nurse now. I've been a medical professional for about eight years. I feel like I know a little bit more. So maybe we need to revisit this situation mm -hmm. um, because I don't know. The way it felt is that maybe they had a bank of donors, possibly. I don't know. Um, but she was definitely trying to get me in there because she was very... Oh, she was very like, you could donate to more, you know, like she was, she was so she was trying to recruit you while you, yes, yes. You know, she's like, you're young, all this stuff. And I just thought she was very strange. Just a very strange person. Like I, even my friend was like, I feel like she's trying to like buy you or something. I'm like, I feel yep. like, I, I don't know what's happening here. Like, I'm just trying to give you some babies. I'm not trying to have a baby out there with all these people. Like, you know, that's I, no. really inappropriate. You're coming in specifically to be like a known donor for a friend. Um, yeah, that that's very inappropriate of the doctor to to do that. That that feels real skeevy. Um, yeah, she that, that... gave me a, like information. She gave me like information on being a donor, of course. Like, it was like a marketing, like, by the way, I know you're here for your friend and like, you're not feeling well, but like, here's some information. I'm becoming like a donor for our clinic. And I was like, I, like, um, that's like a no for me for sure. Like, I'm, I'm going to say something that I, and I apologize. Cause I, I, I I'm going to go just into, <laughs> have you gotten on 23andMe or Ancestry or any of the DNA sites? No, but I know what you're, where you're going with this. And I agree with you because I feel like I probably should, because 32 eggs is a lot of eggs for any have, because I'm going to tell you something else that's weird. And I don't know all the details. So this is going to sound really terrible. Just like the ovarian hyperstimulation, like understanding, I should know more about it, but for, for anyone who, who is like, wait a minute, what just happened? Let, let, I'm going to uh, fully cushion this of I've never found any truth to this. I've only heard rumors. I've only heard whispers. I've never heard. I've never spoken to somebody who this has happened to. Uh, there's always been rumors of it that um, potentially even that potentially hypothetically Jess's eggs may have also been sold to other people without Jess's consent. There has been, we've always heard rumors of people going like, oh, I went in to like donate for my friend and my friend only. And then they go on 23andMe and then two more kids popped up. There's, yeah. there's been those rumors. I've never spoken to anybody, but it, it would be something where I would absolutely double check given everything else that you have gone through. I would just want that peace of mind. Yes. I, and it has crossed my mind because I'm like 32 eggs. 
Yeah. We only had a couple retrievals and like how many failed? Like that just seems, it just seems a little sketchy. It seems a little, a little weird. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I have no trust in this doctor, just so we're clear. And I don't think I should have trust. So yeah, it has crossed my mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, and again, why like would I we said, throw out good, good eggs? 21 year old eggs, prime eggs. It's why hard to we? get good eggs. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when fertility doctors usually go off the numbers, right? The percentage, the, and so it has crossed my mind. I think it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I don't want to even think about it. Yeah. But again, since you and I have talked and now I'm an actual adult, sort of, I am like, I think I can cross that bridge now. I think I'm mature enough where I could handle that and cross that bridge. Yeah. And also, I think it's time to open that box a little bit and revisit that clinic and be like, hi, is Dr. So-and-so still working here? I would love to talk to her. Um, oh, if you need help for that phone call, uh, please know that you would have the full support of the donor conceived community and I would be right there with you. You need help with that. We are, oh, we would be there to back you up with that one. Um, can you, you not be alone. Can you imagine the Netflix series on this? It would be insane. Like if I could gather the information, this would be insane. Cause I feel like a lot of people probably have had similar experiences. I hope not but similar experiences of just like kind of the realm of this world and, and the information, the lack of information you've been given as a donor and because they sell it, like it's a beautiful thing. And you go in thinking like, yeah. and it's a moneymaker, right? Oh, it's, it's unicorns and it's unicorns and sunshine that you get paid handsomely for. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Did, um, so, uh, so that was, so you are now, it's been, it's been a, a chunk of time. We won't date you yeah. um, since, That's okay. since you've gone, since you have done through that, done this. And I, and I say this without saying there, there hasn't been any research on long-term side effects of egg donors, but how has your body recovered from then? What have you experienced? What, what has your body gone through? What, so, is, what has been your personal story? Yeah. So I was told after that happened when I was younger that um, my OBGYN was like, I don't know if you can have kids because, you know, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome affects, you know, the ovaries and we don't know. And since you're so young, you're not trying to have kids. Obviously, we're not going to know. So when that time comes, then we'll know. And I'm like, that is a weird answer, but OK, <laughs> you know, I guess when I know. Oh my or God, I'm well, that's terrifying to put over you. Right. So I was with someone for many, many, many years and we um, tried to have kids and we couldn't, right? And so I just assumed, well, I guess that whole thing that happened back when I was younger, um, I guess I, it's true. I just can't have kids and it's because of this and whatever. And I didn't go into all the testing because it's expensive. And I was like, I just am going to assume that that happened. And so long story short, you know, we break up, whatever. And then I meet someone and I get pregnant. And so I'm like, well, I guess it wasn't me. Maybe it was him. I don't know. So I just never really went into the official testing. I don't know. And I have a baby and I'm super thankful for that, whatever. So I don't know how my body's recovered. I'm guessing. Okay. okay. Um, you know, I haven't gone through official testing. I haven't gone through like, what are the eggs look like and stuff? Cause I just can't afford that. Like, yeah, I can't justify that that cost, I guess. I do have one embryo left from that retrieval years and years and years ago. Um, and that's kind of a whole um, thing. Uh, it was signed, it, it's legally mine. Um, and that was done for the sole purpose where it was signed over to me because just in case I couldn't have children, right? Okay. Um, so that was decided between my friend and I. Um, and that has been kind of a topic of discussion recently on what's going to happen. We don't know. We don't know what to do. And so, um, that kind of, that's a more fun discussion because that doesn't come with so much like animosity towards the doctor or whatnot. That's like kind of more of a positive discussion, but that's, that's a tough part of it too, that you don't think about with egg retrieval. Like what if you have embryos left over, like what do you mm -hmm. do with the embryos left over? And if there were people who were thinking about egg donation and they were listening to this podcast going, what would you tell those 
potential future egg don't egg donors to like what would be the red flags that you would tell them to to look out for and what they should be asking their doctors i would definitely um tell them do not follow the money the money is i understand uh and this wasn't my situation obviously i wasn't offered the money right yeah but i see those i see those uh marketing schemes five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars become an egg donor come on girl come give me your eggs right like i get it that's a lot of money but that to me is a huge red flag huge red flag yeah. um I understand it's a lot of money and and being a broke college kid, I get it. That's yeah. a red flag. First red flag is money being promoted for egg donation. The other thing too, is I would make sure that um, you understand the implications of it. So when I say implications, I mean, what is the long-term effects? Everyone talks about long-term effects. This has been a big thing since the pandemic started. What are the long-term effects of a vaccine? Well, what are the long-term effects of a hormonal injection? What are the long-term effects of egg retrieval? We don't always know those long-term effects yet. They are trying to be studied. We need more studies on it and whatnot. So unless there's a really good reason, in my opinion, to do this egg donation, and I'm not saying that we should stop egg donations altogether, right? Like there are some really great reasons for this to happen. There are mm -hmm. some really miracle reasons, and I don't think it should stop altogether. But those reasons need to be very sound and they need to be very solid for you to really consider this. I also think that you need to have a doctor that's very credible and isn't trying to manipulate you like in my situation. And so you can check into the doctor's credentials. You can check into the doctor's background, their track record. You can check into reviews. You can check into a lot of different things. Um, I think that also checking um, the information they're giving you ask for information, ask lots of questions, cross-reference those documents they're giving you, cross-reference the information, ask a trusted doctor that you have, like your primary care physician, get a physical done. You know, you have to kind of do everything that I didn't do. I didn't do any of this, you guys. I'm coming full disclosure as a registered nurse now. I was just like, oh, sure, unlabeled stuff, inject, inject, be crazy. And then that's what happened to me. It's anecdotal. It's one situation, but it could happen to you too. And it's, it's really scary stuff. And I could have lost my life. Um, Cross-reference, ask lots of questions, ask about these things. And if they are not giving you this information upfront and they're not telling you about the risks, but they're only feeding you the benefits, immediate red flag. I, yeah, I, I would have to say like personally, and, and I know that this, this is a very, this is not, I would say, um happy or 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 something i would say, i would say it would definitely be more of my like depressing opinions but i would not at this moment in time until actual research has like long term research into long term side effects have been done uh until we have like a stack of studies that we have i would not recommend anybody to do egg donation to a cryobanker clinic I would say maybe for a specific friend uh, mm -hmm. or a specific relative. I'm like, okay, yes. And with a shitload of research, as you're saying to that doctor, but I, I just, I am too concerned about the health and safety for egg donors to ever say like, yeah, maybe you can do it. You can totally be an egg donor and stuff like that. I, and I know that that's that's a very heartbreaking here heartbreaking thing to hear for a lot of the recipient parents out there. And I do I know that that's hard. And I and I I apologize, but it's just we we clearly are not taking the egg donor safety into account. And mm -hmm. they matter. They're not just supplies. They're not just material. These are human beings, and their bodies are greatly affected by it. And they're. And the doctors are sort of just going like, well, I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find out 10, 20 years from now, we're going to have significantly more research on our hands into, into long-term side effects. And 
Yeah. I, and I do worry. I really worry at that point what we're going to find out. And and again, it's it's and, and I say that as somebody who has spoken to a lot of egg donors who have spoken to so many egg donors in the United States who have gone through uh, ovarian hyperstimulation. I mean, um, I've interviewed now. I'm trying to think how many egg donors. I mean, I would say. 90% of the egg donors that I've interviewed have all had ovarian hyperstimulation. You have had the worst of all of them, the, 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 uh, but, uh, the worst case of it. But I, I mean, I, I swear every single one of them has gone through it. And you have to think that I've what, interviewed, geez. how is it happening? And, and I'm not saying that there aren't good fertility doctors out there. No, there are, there, there, there are. absolutely are, but 100% they don't wear a are. hat. You can't like yeah. go like, oh, well, there's the green hat doctor. We know that yeah. they all, they, they, you know, they all buy the green hats and they all walk around going, yeah. I'm the doctor. There is, and that's the hard part is I have no idea where to tell people to go like, okay, you'll be fine there. You'll be fine. I have no clue with exactly. the regulations. I can't tell you. I it's can't guarantee so you anything. Yep. And it's very inconsistent and that's the problem. And so you have to know. It, it, the burden falls on the patient, unfortunately. The burden falls on the egg donor to yeah. know these red flags and to know that if those doctors are feeding you benefits, 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 I would see that as a red flag. And I should have seen that as a red flag. This place was painted as like, this is a beautiful, magical place where we're just going to grab those eggs, girl, and, and make life. You know, it's fine. I didn't hear any of those risks. And so I yeah. value doctors who are like, hey, there's lots of benefits, but let me go ahead and talk about the risks real quick because it comes with risks. Yeah. And are we okay with this? And let's explain this. And if this happens and it's very compassionate and whatnot, because yeah. they do have time to be compassionate in those type of environments. And so in my opinion, you know, these docs should be doing that. There are docs that do that, but it's not like you said, they're not these factories that should just be pumping out eggs everywhere. That's not how we should be no. treating them. Then it becomes an unethical situation. And every patient, egg donors, our patients should be treated yes. ethically. And if we yeah. don't treat them ethically and just continue to do what we're doing, how many more women are we making, you know, infertile? We're just creating more problems, you know, or, or potentially creating more problems. And so it's just a very, it's crazy to me just the way they market it. And I'm sitting there thinking, do these girls even know, you know, like, this is so crazy. And in the cancer risk, potential cancer risks that come with it. Right. The, the yeah. Just, just to, um, and again, like Dr. Tobar also covered this. It, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence mm -hmm. into, um, egg donation causing like cervical cancer. And again, we just don't know. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that would, in my opinion, say, Oh, we need to really look into this, but it is not something that has been proven. Um, so just, yeah. so please, please, when you're listening to us talk about that, please, please know that, but yeah, no, and we, I will say anecdotally, anecdotally, this is not sound evidence. This is my experience. Mm -hmm. I have been dealing since I've been 21 with pre-cancer cervical cells since egg retrieval and everything and all that stuff happened. I've been dealing with pre-cancer cervical cells since then. And you were in your twenties. Yes. Is there, Just, does cancer run on either side of your family? Not cervical cancer or anything like that. So to, just again, it's anecdotal. Okay. We're not going to use this as sound evidence. I don't want people to run and be like, nurse Jess said she had ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome and now she had cervical cancer. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. It could be coincidental. It could be lots of different things, but I'm just saying like, when I start to get my wheels turning and I go down the rabbit hole too, I go down the WebMD hole too, you guys, even though I'm a nurse, I do it too. I'm like, hmm, hmm. Well, and there's been other egg donors who have also come forward being like, they found cancer cells, um, yeah. they found masses and there's been, there's no family history of it. This all happened mm -hmm. afterwards. And the fact that you were going through that in your twenties is very strange. Um, yeah. But again, it, but what this again tells me is, more evidence as to why we need to do the research. And I do personally feel like it's very telling the fact that the fertility industry is not doing the research. I know. Is not doing it. That is problematic. And they're going around saying, well, there's no long-term side effects. Well, there's no long-term side effects because you haven't looked into it. Yeah. That's why. It's very easy. 
to claim there's no there's no evidence when you when you don't do the research just like you can claim there's no malpractice when you don't document it it's the same thing yeah but um kind of to piggyback off of the red flags countries like spain have made it illegal for banks to try to send recruitment ads to colleges or anything like that um and right now in the United States, the amount of banks and clinics that literally go to college campuses for set up recruitment pop up tents who are invited to speak into lecture halls, who plaster the campuses with recruitment posters, it's that is a red flag. That is yeah. absolutely a red flag. Um, the fact it is predatory behavior for them mm -hmm. to be doing that to college campuses. That is predatory behavior. That is a red flag. I would not ever trust a clinic or a cryobank that is advertising in such a manner who is flashing a paycheck. The amount of videos on TikTok that I see that are literally um, uh, donate your eggs and buy Louis Vuitton. Yeah, I know. Or pay I for your spring break. Um, it is absolutely absurd and I, that to me is the biggest red flag i don't understand why we don't have more regulations on that but i mean i do because we're in the united states and i feel like we're always last to like do anything like it it but yeah. it's to me being going through the experience that i've gone through and literally almost losing my life over it yeah um it it just it it's gut-wrenching because I'm like, these girls don't know any, I didn't know any different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I can't fault them. It's not their fault. I did the same no. thing. I, it, I, it's predatory, like you said. Yeah. And they're preying on people that they know they can get. Um, I, I fell for it, you know, and, and, and in yeah. a different way, in a different way. Had my friend not come to me and I saw a poster for five or $10,000. Oh, God. Uh, I would have done it. Absolutely. And, and to the recipient parents, um, what I would also suggest to you is when you are deciding which clinic or cryobank to use, because um, if you're looking for egg donation, what I would do is go on to these clinics and cryobanks, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and I would look at their recruitment ads. I, to me, like, because you don't, obviously, you don't want to buy a clinic or a cryobank that has such a disregard for your donor's life. Look at those ads. Because not only, if because if they are disregarding your donor's life, the chances are they're going to disregard your, your child's life as well. Because they're looking at these bodies as literal, just like material items. They're not looking at these people as sentient human beings. And it will tell you a lot. Mm -hmm. So really look at the recruitment ads and that will give you a signal whether or not, ooh, I don't want to work with this cryobank. I don't want to work with this clinic. I understand it's a lot of emotional labor while you are, I'm sure, forking over a lot of money. I know that emotionally it is it involves a ton of labor. I know that. But again, the long term, what this means long term is absolutely worth it. It is mm -hmm. absolutely because. To those recipient parents, imagine finding, imagine your child connecting with your donor years, decades from now, and finding out the amount of long-term side effects she went through. Imagine hearing physically what she went through, uh, what it did to her body, what it, what she had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Imagine that feeling of knowing that, that you in essence, like we're a part of it, not, not, not directly. I know you didn't do it, but you were a part of that machine. That's mm -hmm. not going to be a good feeling to know that the, what the cost of your child did to this body, did to this human. And I know that that's a lot I'm asking. I know that that's a lot of emotional labor, but I do promise it is worth to do that emotional labor now than to have to deal with the consequences later. You yeah. got to think about your donor, not just as a, not, not just as a, um, as an object, not just as a, as a, as a, just a weird tangential thing. No, the, these, these are real human beings. These are young, young people. These are 18, 19, 20 year olds. Yeah. Think about them as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so scary. It's so scary to think it about is. how many other women have gone through what you have gone through and 
I, you know, I didn't really talk about it. This is what's also crazy. I haven't really talked about it until you and I started connecting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, gosh, I like really don't talk about it. Why don't I talk about it? And I'm like thinking, I'm like, I've repressed this because of how That's- traumatic it was. I think I just was like, well, whatever. Like it turned out fine. And I don't regret it. Like I clearly died. Do not like it. whatever. It's fine. Like, it's fine. Well, I didn't die. So everything's fine. You know, like, that's just how I live my life. And I started thinking about it as you and I have talked and, and it's been very therapeutic, actually. It's been very, very good to like, oh, okay. really talk about this and think about like, we traumatize you or anything. No, 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 no. Like, that's why I wanted to make it clear. Like, it's not been bad. Like, this has been okay, a very yeah. positive thing. And so I'm like, man, like, this is really bad. And this is really good to talk about. Because really, like you said, as a as a medical professional, one of the things I take so serious, and I think you and anybody who follows me knows, education is huge. And I believe in educating the public, educating people. That's one of the biggest jobs as a nurse that I have. This falls into that realm. And I can personally connect to it because I went through it. And so educating yourself helps not 100%, but pre- preventing situations like this from happening. And so... um it's a scary situation. And again, I don't want to take away from donating eggs in certain situations because it is a beautiful thing, but there's, there's safeguards that can be in place and they need to be. Absolutely. And and I think that that's what it is. And, you know, I, I always repeat, this is not, my goal is not to end donor conception. It's not to end egg donation. I just want to make sure that it's safe and ethical for everyone involved, including the donors. Yes. Um, in, especially because egg donation is extremely invasive, very different yep. from sperm donation. Um, there needs to be these studies. There needs to be these safeguards for for everybody who is donating eggs. There has to be. And I, I do want to thank you, Jess, for kind of opening up this box again with me and talking about this, because I do think even your story alone does so much good and so much education for um, recipient parents and donors, because we obviously do not want what happened to you to happen to anybody else. And to ensure that like, if they are going to be a, a known egg donor, which if, if you want to be an egg donor, that is the way to do it is to be a known donor like Jess. That is absolutely how you do it. And we just want to make sure that everybody is looking out for those red flags, who is making sure that they are advocating for themselves um, because this industry, the fertility industry is so unregulated, you need, you need to be careful. You, you have to mm-hmm. be careful. Uh, and I know that that's a bummer. Cause I know you're looking at that $10,000 check and you're like, Oh my God, I want that. Mo-. And I get it. I get it. But that money is not going to be worth it. If it ends up getting you really sick and you just end up using it for like medical care. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to be worth it. You, you gotta ensure that you're going to be safe. Um, yeah. So Jess, uh, thank you. Thank you again for coming on this podcast and sharing your story. Are there any final thoughts that you would want to share to uh, potential egg donate to potential egg donors or, uh, or, or recipient parents? I just want to share that, um, you know, I am an open book and I am happy to answer any questions. I know sometimes it's hard to speak up. I know sometimes it's hard to know who to ask questions to, you know, as someone that's gone through this, as someone who has a very close friend who's also gone through this, and I've seen both sides of it, we have a very open relationship Mm with, you know, the children and my friend and myself, Um, you know, relationship. It's so cool. And, and obviously, you know, it's just a really cool thing. Like it's some people are like, that's so weird. I'm like, it's really not weird. It's a very cool dynamic and and everything else. But my final thoughts are just to if there's any questions, like email me or message me or whatever. If you guys have questions or have follow-up, I am happy to talk about this. I'm happy to give you information, give follow-up information, help you work through these thoughts. If you're thinking about donating, if you have anything that like doctors come to you or you're like, hey, is this a red flag? Please message me. I feel like the more we talk about this and the more that we as women kind of have this open dialogue, the, the less chance that this is going to happen to someone else. And so for me, it may take me a couple of days to get back to you, but please message me. Instagram is the best way to message me. I'll get back to you on there, but, um, please, What's your please handle? um, I it's, I believe it's gosh, now you're testing. Me. I think it's 
JES underscore SS underscore 2019. Okay, I tell you what, I'm going, I I will double check it and I will, uh, as everybody knows, I film all of these episodes. So it's going to go up on YouTube. Um, so I will make sure that it's on the screen. I will also make sure that uh, Jess's handle is in the caption. So if you do need to message Jess and you have any questions, she's there. Because again, not just a former egg donor, but Jess is a registered nurse. Because we, <laughs> yes. So the fact that she is a medical professional just is is so wonderful and delightful. Um, and please go follow Jess for all of her wonderful, amazing content um, about stopping misinformation it, it's so amazing to see. And you, you you need just so much support from the public because ooh, you 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 gotta deal with a lot of lot of crazies on the on the internet. So I, I wanna see Thank my people going and supporting you because you're just fabulous. Thank uh, you. Absolutely. And Jess, thank you for your time. Thank you for opening that box with us. And I I ask for anybody else who is ready to share their story to share their story um because what we have seen with the fertility industry a couple of stories the amount of impact one story can make is huge so thank you jess and everybody have an amazing amazing day thank you thank you